We're on a mission from God. Wendy? So I got that going. Darling? Looks like I picked the wrong week to quit sniffing blue. Light of my life. We enjoy your films. I am a human being. I thought they smelled bad. On the outside. Welcome to Vintage Video, where we're rewatching the 80s so you don't have to. We'll be reviewing every major film release of the 1980s in real time. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. I'm Jesse Bayless. And I'm Richard Wells. And today marks the 40th anniversary of the release of Urban Cowboy on June 6, 1980. It was written by James Bridges and Aaron Latham, based on an Esquire article by Latham, directed by James Bridges, and released by Paramount. The film takes place largely in a country western nightclub called Gillies, which at one point in the film is referred to as the world's largest nightclub, which was confirmed at the time by Guinness Records. It closed in 1989 and burned down a year later. No. Uh, <laughs> so that's, Usually it's the other way around. Yeah. It burns down, and then a year later it closed. <laughs> uh, so, since then, the title has been taken over by Privilege Ibiza in Ibiza, Spain, with a capacity of 10,000 people. That sounds like a death trap. The original Esquire article centered on the romance oh, between... Oh, sorry. I was like, the privi- what? What was taken over? Gillies? The, the title of Largest Nightclub. <laughs> I get it. That's, I get worth, it now. that's <laughs> worth pointing out. I did say that very confusingly. They actually built a replica of Gillies inside yes. the yeah. Ibiza. Oh. <laughs> That'd be great. It's just a warehouse, like just a big rectangle around Gillies. Well, just, just to show that it's bigger. Yeah. <laughs> look, it's so big that we For put- scale, look, we built a Gillies over there. <laughs> There's two Gillies in here. <laughs> It's, it's, it's two and a half Gillies big. <laughs> I actually am starting to think that Gillies is how we should measure building size now. Uh, the original Esquire article centered on a romance between two Gillies regulars named Dew Westbrook and Betty Helmer. Obviously, the names were changed for the film. Not clear why. They were already separated by the time of the production and divorced shortly after. So we're Wait, off to a great really? start. Yeah. Oh. Uh, this is the first choreography credit for Patsy Swayze, mother of Patrick. Uh, this features live performances by uh, the club's namesake, Mickey Gilly, Johnny Lee, Bonnie Raitt, Charlie Daniels. Uh, the script was written with Dennis Quaid in mind for Bud. Yeah, I it, can see that. Yeah, I think I think that would work too. It was offered to Gary Busey, which I see working what? less. Um, he was pretty big at the time, and he. I guess, but I don't consider him to be like a a love interest i mean i guess we had him <laughs> everyone needs love you, you don't, gary, you don't love gary Busey? i just i just mean he he had like just played him, buddy holly though <laughs> well we had him in in um carney and he was sort of this wacky love yeah, interest like a he was scary like i don't think he was meant to be you know like this suave guy that chicks would be falling over themselves to get at, at i think bar. he could have pulled it off at the time i think nowadays he'd be spouting a bunch of rehab acronyms at them and they'd run off screaming but i um, think dennis quaid would have been better yes because he goes on to play uh what jerry, even, jerry lee lewis and him and the long riders i feel like even uh would fit this Gary Busey turned it down because he wanted to be in the movie Foolin' Around, uh, which we will cover later this year, and he has since expressed regret for that decision. Uh, Sissy Spacek was offered the role first. Sissy? (laughs) Sissy almost played Sissy. Uh, And she left after a clash with Travolta. I was going to say, like, I'm sure that they just wrote the character like it's like sissy space is going to play this part so just mark all of sissy's lines yeah and like no we'll just keep the name well (laughs) 
I also think uh, it's interesting that her problem, the reason that she walked away from the film was because she had a falling out with Travolta because it's like they were in Carrie together. Wasn't he her prom date in Carrie? Yeah. So <laughs> may- maybe that was an unfortunate experience. She found out it was like, it was you who dumped the pig's blood on oh, me. Oh, yeah. That, I forgot <laughs> Carrie was done. a true story. Done with this one. <laughs> Renee Russo and PJ Souls also auditioned for the sissy character. Oh, I would have liked PJ Souls in there. I would like PJ Souls in anything. I've had a crush on her forever. She's the greatest. We I, met her at a Carrie screening, actually. I also like Renee Russo. Yeah, she's great. But she's no PJ Souls. PJ Souls is just adorable. But she was there with William Cat at the at the yeah. Carrie screening. Producer Robert Evans sent Deborah Winger back from the location for not being attractive enough. Like she showed up on set and he was like, No, no, we're gonna keep working on this. We're gonna find someone else. Michelle Pfeiffer had auditioned for the role and that was Evans' first choice. But director James Bridges persuaded Evans by threatening to quit, and Winger was kept on board. This became her first starring role. Uh, John Travolta had a mechanical bull installed in his house two months before production began and became so good that he was allowed to dismiss the stunt double to do all his takes himself. This movie was adapted into a Broadway stage production of the same name in 2003. (laughs) I'm not sure why, just an excuse to put country western music in a musical, I guess. And uh, in 2015, a pilot for the series was shot and passed on by Fox. I mean, I just want to be clear. I don't think it's a bad movie i just don't think it's a movie that warrants a musical remake (laughs) i also don't think it warrants a tv show we start the film with mama telling bud that breakfast is getting cold and he says he's got to get going to houston he drives bearded to his aunt and uncle's place in houston this is the first uh time i've seen young travolta with a beard and i think it works on his face oh i really like i think he's cuter with the beard yeah and he was pushing to wear it for the whole film but he was talked out of it by having lunch with a producer somewhere in Houston and no one came up for autographs. And he's like, see, nobody recognizes you. You have to, get, we have to get rid of it. He gets to his aunt and uncle's place in Houston and they take him out to Gilly's huge nightclub. Bud meets Marshall. Um, and then he meets Dr. Stephen Strange. <laughs> Dr. Stephen Strange. I don't think <laughs> this guy has a doctorate. Uh, he meets Marshall and he meets Steve Strange and he notices Sissy at the bar. Steve introduces some girls to Bud and the next day he wakes up in bed with both of them and a hangover uh, at his aunt and uncle's house. <laughs> As he's coming out of his room in the morning, his aunt is on the phone with his mom. And she says, oh, he must still be at church. Wait a second. They, he does not wake up at, at his aunt and uncle's house with the girls. He is at their place. Yeah. And then he walks into the house from outside and, and his aunt's like, hey, here he is. He was at church. I don't know that to be true. This is what it seemed like to me the second time I was well, watching. Well, because the girl, one of the girls says, I'm going to go out and make you a cup of coffee. I doubt she would do that in front of his aunt. He brings other girls to this house very surprisingly Touché. quickly. But yeah, so uh, he gets on the phone uh, with his mom and she says, did you get a job yet? <laughs> He's like, I just got here yesterday, but I'm going to the plant tomorrow with Uncle Bob. Uh, during his interview, he explains to the foreman or i don't know what you call this guy the guy who runs plant manager the plant manager there you go uh, he manages all the plants he's like a regular ralph um <laughs> he he tells this guy that his name is buford ewan davis uh his initials spell bud people call him bud and he says that's great i can use you as a gopher do you know what that is and he said well, i think it means you know gopher things or it could mean you're an animal yeah well around here they're on the same level but he does make him shave the beard 
So this is how they worked it into the script. He's like, in case you ever need to wear a special mask, you got to get rid of your beard. And then he never wears a mask for the rest of the movie. Bud catches Sissy walking away from a dance at Gilly's that night. She says she liked him better with the beard. They dance for a bit, and then we see them talking all night, but we don't hear any of what they're saying, so we don't get a backstory on either of these characters, really. They just immediately start hardcore kissing on the dance floor. (laughs) The next day at work, Marshall asks how things went with Sissy, and he tells him none of your business. Uh, That night he's back at Gilly's, and a punching game has been installed. Everybody's taking a swing. Bud takes one. Uh, He gets the high score on the punching, and then Sissy's like, I want to punch it, and she messes up her hand real good. We cut to the, I guess this is like a diner next door to Gilly's that they keep going to. They're getting some food, and the two girls that Steve introduced him to say hi to him uh, as they're walking through the diner, and he stares and smiles back at them. Sissy obviously gets upset about it. He's teasing her about it and starts tickling her, and she's like, Don't tell me I wet my pants. (laughs) And then she pinches him hard, so he slaps her across the face. And she doesn't take this kindly. She's she's not going to sit around and deal with domestic abuse. So she gets up and starts to walk away. And he's like, well, you pinched me. Like, it's the same thing. So and how long have they known each other at this point? Is it just one Like a night? couple days. It's yeah. a couple days. Yeah. So she walks away and he tries multiple times to just shout her into his car, which she's very stubborn and is not going to get in this car. She's decided she's going to hitchhike. Eventually, they fight real hard like he tries to pick her up and carry her to the truck and she wriggles out of his hands and they're wrestling on the ground in a big puddle in the road this truck almost runs them over as it's pulling into the parking lot because he doesn't see them until almost too late and i don't think she's in the wrong to be mad here no not at all because he was looking at the girls and then she says something is like well what am i supposed to not look at him it's like yes yeah, yeah, you are. Uh, what? What are we even talking about? But also, for? a pinch is not the same thing as a hard slap across the face either. And so uh, they get into his truck now, just dripping wet. It looks like someone threw a bucket of water over both of them before they get in the car. And uh, he turns to her and he proposes to her. And we cut immediately to them getting married in Gillies, which the couple that inspired the film actually did. They got married in the nightclub during the day, I assume. He drives her blindfolded to a brand new trailer with a big bow on it. While he's carrying her over the threshold, he falls and drops her into the place. (laughs) I think there's a lot of moments like that in here, which I do really appreciate, that seem really realistic. Like back when she said, stop tickling me, I'm going to pee, or when he drops her over the threshold. And I think there's a lot of really cute, very humanizing moments. Details, yeah. No, I agree. They they definitely felt like a real couple. I think they have a, a genuine chemistry. They go to see a prison rodeo, which was a real thing. Yeah. Is it, it's, it might still be a real I thing. Think I think is. it is still a real yeah. thing. But uh, yeah, the prisoners are forced to compete in a rodeo by riding these big angry bulls. Th- this particular prison where they shot this, this was, a, this was a real, like this was shot where they actually did this. And the prison that is attached to where this rodeo is taking place has like the most popular, shall we say, a death chamber of any uh, maximum security prison I don't know Texas. what that means. The one that has killed the most people. The most visited chamber for prisoner murder. They kill a lot of people here. So maybe they were like, sure, I'll die at a, on a bull rather than, you know, inhaling a bunch of gas or whatever they did here. As they're watching this, they see uh, a guy named Wes Hightower climbing onto a bull. And the bull freaks out and he drops into this 
this paddock where the bull is before they even let him out into the actual rodeo space yeah, it looks, looks like he's really, about to get destroyed in this here it's really bad yeah like i feel like that actually happened and they For just sure. got it on film and they're like all right we're using that one yeah we see the guy get back on the bull but is very impressed that this guy's crazy enough to get back on the bull the next day they have a mechanical bull in gillies bud jumps on the bull and he does a pretty decent job he holds his own and sissy is totally hot for this she's like at first she's trying to convince him not to get on the thing but when she sees he's good at it compared to the other guys that have been up she's like oh man i like this she's like smiling at him that night she tells him that she would like to try it but he is trying to put a stop to that right away yeah uh when it comes to the scene of them back at home and he's in bed and he's just got his just like a towel or a sheet over him just covering one leg yeah but then he keeps putting his hand down and rubbing i was like is he masturbating and then he says this is all my you know my balls really hurt it's like oh okay he's just just ball rubbing <laughs> just just giving it a little, little massage yeah because it, it was like it's clear that he's just <laughs> you were worried hand. it was gonna be like a small circle of friends and suddenly he's just finished yeah like, what happened <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh the next day bud decides he's gonna ride some more because he enjoyed it i don't remember that in small circle of friends he's getting mad at her and she's like i'm gonna go find my diaphragm and then she's taking too long to do it so he's like i'm finished see my brain went to what was that american graffiti ripoff one hollywood nights hollywood nights Mm, yeah Yeah, when he when he's when he's in the front seat of the car and she's like come on back here and (laughs) and he already finished (laughs) no that's another and then uh yeah we had it in our last episode with all the kids watching miss bliss show off the weapons Um, Uh, we get a couple of like Every I feel like almost this movie should have just been called Gillies, but sure, yeah, because they just do like a quick, maybe five second shot, if if that of him at work, and they keep doing this throughout the movie. I think just to establish that it's a different day, yeah, just so they can cut back to Gillies, so you don't think are they just keep going back there every like twice a night because it's just weird to just show a random shot a day just to cut back to Gillies again because everything happens at Gillies. Yeah. Maybe they only had it for so many days. Yeah, that's possible. They did shoot it in the actual place, though. Sissy notices Hightower coming in to ride. Before he gets on the bull, he actually, like, climbs underneath it to turn it up. Right now it was set to five, which was already pretty high when Bud was jumping around on it. But Hightower turns it up. I don't know just six or seven what what he does but well, i don't think that five is very high because at the end of the movie it goes up to 12 right but here when he said when marshall says what's that thing set to and he says five and he's like five that's pretty high like these people were starting at one and two i think yeah but he had it on five and then howard hightower turns it up sissy is impressed by what he's able to do and as they're starting to leave gillies she calls out to wes and says oh you're a real cowboy aren't you and uh, Bud tells her to stop flirting with the guy. Uh, he shows off some of his kick dancing to earn some street cred back. <laughs> and uh, he's good at it because Travolta's good at dancing, it turns out. It's almost like he's famous for that. <laughs> uh, later at the restaurant, Sissy makes plans to practice writing in secret because she wants to surprise Bud. And we as the audience can already tell that this is not going to go <laughs> how she's planning it. He complains about Hightower, who seems to be just following them around, giving them nasty looks she's still kind of being flirtatious with him bud is being very demanding about how his food should be prepared with the wait staff and when it shows up it is not to his liking so because he's angry at sissy and he's angry about this food he takes it out on the waitress and he picks up his food and throws it at her but when she ducks it just splatters all over the back of west hightower 
Kind of, kind of like uh, that American Graffiti ripoff movie again. Yeah, Hollywood Nights <laughs> when he hits the cop with all the stuff. <laughs> hey, Newbomb, what time is it? But yeah, now they are gonna fight, and they have to move it outside so they don't destroy the rest of this restaurant. And Bud loses very quickly. This is not a fair fight. It's clear that Hightower's been in more fights than Bud has and is just constantly nailing him in the face. And every time he tries to get up, he's got five people pulling him away like, don't, don't. (laughs) You're losing this. Please stop fighting. The next morning, Bud uh, gets up with a big bruise on his face and he's probably concussed, but he decides he's going to go to work anyway because he doesn't want to miss out on the money. But he wants a beer before he goes into work. Right. Sissy sneaks away to practice riding a bull while he's at work but today while he's at work and probably as a result of his concussion he gets really dizzy at some point maybe from beer maybe from the concussion maybe a combination but he falls off the scaffolding of uh this structure that they're working on and he basically catches himself by one foot between these two pipes of the scaffolding and he's rescued very quickly by marshall and some other friends from the work site Hightower and Strange teach Sissy how to ride at Gillies, and uh, she's getting pretty good at it. Aunt Corrine comes over to check on Bud. She makes some shitty comments about the state of their place. She's looking at the sink, and it's got a bunch of food in it, like dirty plates. And she's like, oh, man, this place looks like a pigsty. And then she just sets about cleaning up the whole house while Bud hangs out in the bathtub drinking. Sissy gets home later, and she sees that his car is there when he's supposed to still be at work and she's worried already she gets inside and kareen is just leaving bud yells at her for not being home earlier and for cooking and cleaning at the house even though both of them work full-time jobs and eventually he like they they snap at each other back and forth but eventually he just admits that he feels crappy about what kareen said about their their place looking like a pigsty and she's offended by it too back at gillies we see hightower is now running the bull He's been given a job operating the uh, the machinery. Bud turns to talk to Marshall for a bit, and then suddenly Sissy is on the bull to show off to him. And he tries to get her off of it, like coax her down, but she does a decent job, and so he decides that he wants to show off and outdo her. So he turns it up, and he gets on it, and then he goes. And then she goes again because she wants to prove a point. And so he goes again harder, and this time he falls off the side and breaks his arm when they get back to the trailer well he doesn't just break his arm though because wes is running the bull yeah and he specifically spins it after he's fallen off and smacks him down to the ground so i think that's the moment in which he breaks his arm oh is it yeah i thought he broke his arm when he fell no no i, th- I think he fell and it was a control he fall. slapped him with the thing. yeah then yeah. He hit him with the thing oh, okay but yeah so when they get back to the trailer that night they have a big fight and he basically throws her out of the trailer and tosses her the keys to her car so she can head back to her parents' place or to Wes Hightower's place. Bud loses his job on account of the broken arm. He's sitting in the trailer during the day just looking through old photo books. He notices a flyer from that prison rodeo they went to and he sees that Wes Hightower was in that prison rodeo. He's one of the the competitors, the one that we actually saw fall into the paddock with the bull he heads over to gillies because he thinks that sissy doesn't know this and he wants to warn her away from hightower and so he tells her oh you know that guy that you like he's an escaped convict and she says he's not a convict he's out on parole well he is a convict then but he's not an escaped convict yeah but she says he's out on parole and she knew that already she tells him to go away 
She doesn't want to talk to him. I So a couple times in this movie, I thought it was going to go somewhere it didn't. Yeah. And I thought the revelation that this is the guy from the rodeo was going to be, oh my God, this is the guy that I thought was so great. And he's taught Sissy how to be a great bull rider. I'm going to have him teach me so I can go into a real rodeo. Yeah. That's where I thought this movie was going. I thought it was going to have an actual bull riding in it. And he was going to swallow his pride, learn his lesson, swallow his pride. And Wes was going to give him shit. Like, uh, you want me to train you? I'm not going to train you. He's like, you know, please, you are the best. And I want you to teach me yeah. how to ride Because he was legitimately bull. impressed with him before. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, this is going to be great. This is going to be a, such a great character character change. Nope. <laughs> that well, doesn't happen. I think the reason it's called Urban Cowboy is because the whole point of it is about how you don't get to be a cowboy anymore. Like, mm. they're... they're now you don't even get in a fist fight anymore. Now you punch a machine. Yeah. You don't even get to ride a cow anymore. You ride a machine cow. Mm-hmm. And all you have left is like the costume of a what cowboy. What is this, Westworld? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's got cast from Westworld, doesn't it? Somebody in here was in a Westworld movie. Or maybe that was the last movie. I don't know. They're all blending together. But yeah, uh, here Sissy tells him to just go away because she doesn't want to deal with him anymore. And he's like, okay, well, I'm just going to go pick a random girl off the dance floor. Of course, she's immediately jealous and says, Hightower, come We're going to go dance next to them. They do this really awkward close dancing where they're like squeezing each other at weird angles. Yeah. It looks super uncomfortable for them. so awkward. Both of them are trying to like get their dance partner as close to them as humanly possible. And it just, it's all creepy. And then comes the best pickup line ever. What is that? John Travolta looks into Pam's eyes and says, when are you going to take me home and rape me? So when are you going to take me home and rape me? Hmm? All right. <laughs> and she's like, oh, anytime or whatever. We're just planning on using this one. <laughs> it's like, if you, if you are asking her to be raped, isn't that a form of consent? Yeah. I, I'm still just going to stick with my, my standard, which is tickle your ass with a feather. <laughs> um, so they do this weird, awkward dance. That it honestly looks like if you had had the same scene play out with like Will Ferrell and somebody else, where they're just like curving their bodies around each other and like, look how close I am to this person, like super exaggeratedly. He takes this girl out to his car or the truck in the parking lot and she says, Hey, cowboy, you're not just doing this to make your wife jealous, are you? And he goes, Yep. <laughs> and they start the car and they leave. Well, because she's into it. Right. And apparently she wasn't listening when he said this, though, because she's very surprised about it later. Her place is expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a super nice apartment, pretty high up in a building because they have a nice view of Houston from up here. Her dad's paying for the place. And he says, what does daddy do? Daddy does oil and all that that implies. She tells him that she likes cowboys. I, I don't actually I don't, I don't, know what that implies. I don't know what that implies either. <laughs> Other than he's rich. Well, have you not seen the Adam Driver uh, Parnassus? Oh my God, I love that sketch. <laughs> now what does an oil baron do? The answer? Crush your enemies! <laughs> Grind their bones into dirt! Make them regret they were ever born! Um, she likes cowboys and her dad uh, makes fun of her about it because she thinks, or he thinks she likes them because they're dumb. And she likes them because they're simple, they're not complicated, and they say what they mean. They drink a toast to cowboys and all that that implies. Not sure they're either. <laughs> uh, back in the trailer, next to Gillies, where Hightower lives, 
he's telling sissy that you get visions when you drink the worm in the tequila bottle and she says what are the visions of and he's like i don't know i've drank a few hundred of them so far i haven't had any yet she asks him how many banks he's robbed because she heard that that's why he was in prison and without answering her they just start kissing she backs off and then leans back into it and then admits to herself that she she can't do this to bud and she has to go but she thanks him for telling her about the worm and uh she leaves and then he drinks the worm which apparently was originally just supposed to be a joke for dailies but they were like you did that so well we're gonna leave that in the mm-hmm. movie um, the scott glenn is a actor yeah the score here sounds suspiciously like donna summers on the radio which we already had as the score to foxes earlier this year you about it when it was playing it sounds so much like it that i'm i don't know what's going on there sissy is back home when bud walks into the trailer so she knows that he stayed out all night with somebody she leaves and uh he steps out to his truck and takes the sissy novelty license plate out of his window he had one side said bud and one side said sissy and he pulls her license plate out pam the girl from the bar just shows up at the trailer park yeah she says that she asked some people where he lived at the bar and they just straight up gave her his address, which is weird. But she offers to make his wife jealous again. And he says, my wife is living in a trailer with a convict, so I'm getting a divorce. Bob calls and he invites Bud to dinner and he says, oh, I have company. No, it's not sissy. Well, hold on. Let me check with her. And then he just looks up to her and he says, we're going to go have dessert with my uncle. (laughs) Yeah, he doesn't actually ask her anything. He just makes a statement. We just cut to, he just brought this girl who's not his wife to his aunt and uncle's house for dessert. While they're eating, Bob is showing off a belt buckle that he got for a bull riding competition in 64. And this is where we start to explore Bob's backstory. He used to be a competitive bull rider until he was stomped on and taken out of the sport. He has... Uh, plastic in his leg he has a plate in his head and he's hesitant to say in front of the lady but he's got a plastic nut as a result of this accident that took him out of the game they head out to gillies for a dolly parton look-alike contest and, and aunt Karine is participating but she doesn't make the final cut no after they award the best dolly the band jumps into a version of cotton eye joe that i like even less than the one i knew <laughs> I was like, all right, here we go, Cotton Eye Joe. Finally, I don't know this Cotton Eye Joe. Came out in the night. Did you go, Cotton Eye Joe? (laughs) Bud and Bob and friends walk over to El Toro, the nickname for this mechanical bull, in time to see Sissy hopping onto it. She leans completely upside down backward and kisses Hightower before he starts up the, the machine. She shows off by standing up and moving around on it as it's tipping back and forth. I'm guessing it's on one right now because it's it's not going very fast and it seems very predictable. It's not spinning around either. They are awkwarded out by this and leave for a second location. But as they're walking to their car in the parking lot, she's like, well, I can't go to another place dressed like this. And they're like, no, it doesn't matter. The next, I know a place that's fine. It doesn't matter what you look like. And then Uncle Bob says, pop them titties and let's get rolling. (laughs) (laughs) And then you hear Aunt Corrine like pop the balloons that she has in her bra for the contest. But she reacts. Yeah. She she reacts like she's scared from each time. It's like, "Eh." (laughs) ah. 
<laughs> ah! <laughs> she's popping them it's really great and they move to this second bar but we really see almost nothing there they order some drinks and start dancing and we cut well, to the next morning well he yeah he asked bob to train him yeah um but the next morning sissy is waking up in wes's trailer uncle bob starts to train bud on a second mechanical bull i'm not sure where this one is i guess somewhere near their job site sissy stops by the trailer she wanted to talk to bud but he's not there so she cleans up and leaves a note for him about how she wants to try this again and and she thinks she can keep the place cleaner and do a better job and uh, she's going to be at gillies all day so please give me a call whenever you get down there she hears someone coming in and she thinks it's bud and she's going to get to talk to him but it's pam and sissy says oh i thought it was bud i I was just leaving and she's like good get out so she leaves and right as she turns around a corner bud shows up so he just barely missed her and uh, he gets to the trailer and compliments pam on how clean everything looks and she takes 100% credit for it and tears up the note that Sissy left. We get this shot that made Jess very uncomfortable of Bud trying to take his cast off a day early. Oh, oh God. Oh, God. I could not watch. He is just sighing and sighing across his wrist. Yeah. And I'm just like, oh, God, you're going to break through. You're going to slice right through your wrist. It, it was I, so awful. I, I kept thinking when he was going to take that cast off, it was going to be like in Terminator 2 when Arnold is taking his skin off of his arm and he'll, he just, he's like, whoops. Oh, no. It's like the uh, the baby and uh, eraser head. It's oh. just like, oh, this isn't just bandage. Whoops. Like he was he was quote unquote trying to save some money by not going back to the doctor. Like he tells his girlfriend, like I don't have the kind of money that you got, and instead he's just gonna, you know, have to have an emergency bill when he slices right through. Yeah, his exactly. Arm. You're just gonna go and get another cast right away. So he does end up getting this cast off so that he can start going back to work a day early. He's gonna start working double shifts. He plans on making about 16 bucks an hour we cut to sissy at gillies she's still waiting for that phone call but it doesn't come through she keeps checking in with marshaline who is uh, works at the front desk at gillies she sits down and drinks with wes and it's framed kind of the same way as that first night when we see her talking to bud all night the two of them are sharing their backstories and getting to know each other better we see a montage of cutting back and forth from bud at work to bud practicing on the mechanical bull with bob driving home one day he sees sissy working a tow truck and uh, he waves at her but she flips him off so he does it back and then just speeds off when sissy gets back to wes's trailer she finds marshaline who i just said is a is a fellow employee of the of gillies and she's in the bedroom with him first she was hiding in the closet but he doesn't seem to care that they've been caught so he just knocks on the door and he's like no come on out it's fine and she comes out and she's like trying to apologize to sissy and sissy's like it's not your fault what's happening here yeah uh, this well is, i mean i mean she's it's not, not, happy not about your it. fault yeah but-, but she's she's more angry with west than she is uh with this woman which is actually uh, refreshing and he says that you can't expect me to be faithful that's that's not my thing by the way did you get those cigarettes i asked for and she throws a big carton of cigarettes at his back and he forcefully like grabs her around the neck and makes her pick them up off the ground she says she's gonna leave and he tells her to make him a meal and when she says she's not gonna do that he starts throwing her and smacking her around in the in the kitchen again back at the nice trailer 
Bud is telling Pam to wake him up in an hour and a half, even though she just made him dinner, this beef yeah. stroganoff. She wants him to come to a dinner party that her father's going to be at that night. But he's like, oh, I'm going to be busy. I got to I gotta practice. Maybe I got to watch the guy who operates the mechanical bull. And I got to work a graveyard shift. Yeah. She's upset about how, how much time he's spending away from her. So this was another point in which I thought this movie was going to go a different direction. Okay. I'm like, okay, so Sissy's obviously in a bad situation. Pam isn't happy where she is. I was like, are these both these women going to realize that the, both the men that they're with are just pieces of shit? Yeah. And and they're going to get together or they're going to become friends or they're going to get away from these two men in a Thelma and Louise situation because both of these men are awful. Yeah. I'm well, sorry, but John Travolta is not a great catch. There's so many nope. movies that do this where they set up these two characters and they're like, oh, can't you see how in love they are? Now, no matter what happens from here forward, no matter how terrible they are to each other, you know that they love each other, so you want them to get back together. It's like, no, I don't most I of the don't. time. I don't. And for the whole rest of this movie, I really did not want these two to get back together. We cut back to uh, work where uh, Pam woke him up late on purpose because she didn't want him to waste time practicing down at uh, Gilly's. And so he gets to work, and Marshall's like, did you get any more practice time in? He's like, no. Clearly something shitty is about to happen. There's a terrible storm going on while they're all working, and it's really late at night. We have thunder clapping constantly. And at this point, I literally turned to Justin and was just like, so who's dying here? Is this going to be Marshall or Uncle Bob? <laughs> like, well, someone's like, going to die in this Uncle scene. <laughs> and she was like, it's Uncle Bob. It's for sure Uncle Bob. And uh, lightning strikes this big tank on the work site that just explodes. And it throws Uncle Bob to this platform where he basically just gets cooked like a barbecue. The flames are just pouring up through the railing and uh, everyone's trying to hold uh, Bud back so he doesn't get caught in the fire. And we cut immediately to his funeral. Everyone's crying around the casket as it's getting lowered. And Sissy shows up late because nobody told her that this was even happening. He was her uncle, too, by marriage, and she's upset about having been left out. They argue a bit at the gravesite, and she asks if he's happy, and he says, Oh, yeah, I'm great. I'm real happy. And she says, Me, too. I finally got a real cowboy. And he's like, Yeah, and I finally got a real lady. Well, she says she's not very happy because she got a real cowboy. Oh, I thought she said she was. I'm pretty sure she said she's she's not very happy. Oh, I thought she here, said she was. Okay, well, maybe here, I'm in the wrong Here's the, the audio, here. and you decide for yourselves. Hell yes, I'm happy. How about you? You happy? <laughs> yeah, I really am. I finally got what I wanted. I got a real cowboy. I, I don't know. Um, I'm not that committed to either side of this. Sissy tells them that they are going to leave. Their plan is to win the rodeo prize at Gillies and take the $5,000 cash prize to Mexico. As deep as they can get with $5,000. Which I feel like $5,000, you can go past Mexico. In 1980 again. <laughs> but she assumes and asks Bud to verify that you are not going to be in this rodeo because of your grieving. Yeah. Because it's, it's like that night. Yeah. And yeah, he says, yeah, I'm not going. Yeah. Back at Bob and Kareen's place, they're standing in the backyard and Kareen gives Bud the belt buckle that Bob showed him and says, uh, Bob had a feeling he was going to get burnt to a crisp and he told me to give this to you. <laughs> Uh, no, but she knew that he had a plan to give this to him for good luck for the contest. Shouldn't shouldn't Uncle Bob have had metal plates and bones 
that it makes him getting struck by lightning all the more foreboding. Like, oh, <laughs> like now I'm just imagining his innards melting because they're made of. Well, plastic. maybe that's why it was plastic because they were like, we don't want you to think that that's why he got struck. <laughs> I think that would have been more interesting. It's like it was like foreshadowing. Like have have him earlier like get shocked by something. The coroner's just like I've never seen this. His nuts are melted. <laughs> well, one of them. <laughs> um, the other one exploded. <laughs> oh god. We'll let you think of which one. Yeah, but yeah, she gives him the belt buckle and she says, "You go win that contest." And he's like, "Yeah, I'm not." I'm not going to do that contest. Not not right now. I'm not going to go there. She's like, well, you have to because his ghost is going to be really mad. And she's just shaming him into this contest that he didn't want to participate in. Uh, we cut to Charlie Daniels, the Gillies. Tonight, the bull is turned all the way up to 12. Uh, we get a long tournament that is boring and dwindles down to just Wes and Bud very quickly. Mm-hmm. I wanted, this is what I how I wanted it to end. We We had our different choices of how this should end. I wanted for him to win the contest and then give them the prize money. Like, not only am I better than your boyfriend, but you can still leave with him. Mm. And what did you want, Jess? Yeah, I wanted him to lose the contest, but then she would leave Wes for him anyways. But neither of these things happened. I wanted Sissy to win the contest. That's what I wanted. Oh, so like a Baltimore Bullet situation where they, they... build up that this woman is getting better and better at a sport and then she never plays it at the end of the movie yeah <laughs> yeah that is uh that would have been better actually bud wins he beats west by one point and uh west takes her out in the parking lot and just beats the shit out of sissy pam realizes that bud is looking for sissy after he wins and that's the only reason why he even competed was because he wanted to see her reaction and he doesn't want her to leave with this guy and she says look I should tell you the truth here, I because I don't love you as much as your wife does, but I tore up a note that she left and she asked you to call her. You should go find her. And he immediately races out of the club to find her. And as he steps out into the parking lot, Wes is heading back into the building with a gun. In the parking lot, he finds Sissy sitting in a car in the shadow. And he tells her that he never got that note she left. Pam tore it up, but that he still loves her. And she immediately says that she loves him and they stand up and hug and they they bury the hatchet. They're, they're best friends again, husband and wife. This is when he notices her face that she's just been beaten and <laughs> What's bloody. wrong with your face? What's wrong with your face? What's wrong with your face? She says that Wes did it. They just need to get away. And he says, no, well, first I got to go kill Wes. And she's shouting at him to not go in there. But apparently doesn't know what's going on inside but she still just doesn't want him to get in a fight with Wes because she's already seen him lose a fight with Wes but as soon as he goes in the front door he comes face to face with Wes and just starts wailing on him not even realizing that Wes is holding a gun or that he's carrying all the prize money that he just robbed from Gillies and he's just smashing his head into the floor over and over and over again after he knocks the gun away and uh, everyone's like congratulating him and as he's standing up he's starting to realize oh something was happening here that i didn't realize was going on uh presumably wes is being sent back to prison for robbing the place sissy comes back to the entrance and her and bud leave arm in arm and they put the novelty plate back up in the truck window and uh they live happily ever after in this fictional version of the of the actual couple who broke up and divorced shortly after the film and that's the end of the movie our director here was james bridges who had directed the paper chase 
just the year before this, he directed China Syndrome, and he worked with Travolta again for Perfect in 85, which was also written by Aaron Latham. China and, Syndrome and is so good. It is. And we said no relation to the other Bridges. Correct. He's not a part of the famous Hollywood Bridges family. The writer here, Aaron Latham, also wrote that Perfect movie I mentioned and a 93 movie called The Program with James Caan and Holly Berry. I don't remember that movie. I don't remember that. Uh, John Travolta was Bud. You know him from Carrie, Pulp Fiction, or probably Swordfish. Deborah Winger was <laughs> Sissy. She played Wonder Girl on the Linda Carter Wonder Woman show. She was also in An Officer and a Gentleman, and Terms of Endearment is usually the one I think of. And as she's nominated for a Golden Globe for this role. She was nominated for two, actually. One for was for Best New Star, and I was like, okay, well, that, that could be a thing. But, yeah. but for Best Supporting Actress, I was like, I mean, she was good. She wasn't a bad performance. I don't know if Best Supporting Actress nomination yeah. for Golden Globe. It's an interesting choice. She, she didn't win. Maybe uh, it was a slow year. Yeah, Mary Steenburgen won for Melvin and Howard. But she was up against uh, Beverly, Beverly D'Angelo for Coal Mine is Honor, who I think was, was a better. phenomenal performance. Yeah. It was, it was weird. It was just a weird little thing that I noticed. I also, I see why Sissy Spacek didn't take this role in addition to the, like the Travolta problems. But if she just constantly played like second fiddle country wives, like yeah. she couldn't do that forever. Especially like the, the guy that the article was about was literally named Do, which is the same as her husband and coal miner's daughter. Scott Glenn played Wes here. He plays uh, Bart Mancuso in The Hunt for Red October. He was John Adcox in Backdraft. He's this David Carradine-style wise man in uh, Sucker Punch, Ugh. which is a garbage movie. Jack Crawford in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. He's apparently in the first season of Castle Rock, that new Hulu Stephen King show. Huh. I haven't watched any of that. And he plays a character named Stick in Daredevil and the Defenders. Yeah, I, I really... Yeah, he, he's good in that. Um, so I really like Scott Glenn, and I'm always excited when he's in a movie. Yeah, he's a good guy. Does he play astronaut in something? Uh, in uh, The Right Stuff. That's right. Madeline Smith Osborne was Pam. Uh, she was Madeline Smith in the credits. Presumably she married an Osborne. She plays Peggy Schuyler in All of Me, not in Hamilton. <laughs> uh, she plays Caroline Floyd in 2010, so she's also an astronaut possibly. Uh, no, uh, it, she's she's <laughs> in like like two scenes uh, when Roy Scheider is, is training oh, okay. to go back up, but... She also plays Elizabeth Farmer in Funny Farm with Chevy Chase, and this was her first feature film role. Barry Corbin was Uncle Bob. Yeah. Love Barry Corbin. Uh, he was Alice in No Country for Old Men. He's uh, General Berenger in War Games. He's Harve in Critters 2. And he plays Dale on The Ranch, which I haven't actually watched any of. But uh, but he's just got the greatest voice. Yeah. I, I recognize him from Northern Exposure. He was Maurice. Oh, okay. Cool. I never saw that. Marshall here was Cooper Huckabee. Love Cooper Huckabee. Yeah, good guy, Cooper Huckabee. Yeah, he plays Bill Farron in uh, MacGyver episode Hellfire, which is the reason that we interviewed him for our previous podcast, mm -hmm. Phoenix Foundation. And he was a very sweet guy. It just uh, apparently he was like in the in the running to play MacGyver on the show, and it came down to like basically the two of them at the last second, which he he got that information from uh, Henry Winkler, who produced the show he's just a sweet guy he'll be back next year in funhouse and he came back uh with travolta for general's daughter in like 99 or 2000 he was lil raj brittle in django unchained uh part of the brittle brothers the when i last spoke to him um he was auditioning for the the netflix peewee movie peewee's big holiday 
and he was auditioning for the farmer role which uh eventually went to the guy that plays keanu reeves dad in the bill and ted movies but when i was watching the movie i was like oh he didn't get that part i was hoping he would and then after that scene there peewee goes to get married to one of the farmer's daughters and he's the minister at the wedding i was like okay good they gave him something so he's in there so keep an eye out for him but he's great james gammon here was steve strange (laughs) um (laughs) he was in sylvester silverado silver bullet and silver city (laughs) let's see why i picked all those um he's in other things too well it's Uh, funny because scott glenn is also in silverado yeah Anne Travolta was a member of the wedding party. Uh, as you might have guessed, that is John's sister and regular co-star. Anson Downs is another member of the wedding party. He was an actor with Travolta in Carrie and This and Perfect. He's also a producer on literally every Travolta film for the last 21 years. So this is weird. Steve Strange is a character in the movie played by James Gammon, but there's also an actor in the movie named Steve Strange playing a character named sam strange so he shares his last name with his character and his well except our best guess here is that steve strange but that's not the case i i thought maybe he was like he was the steve strange that the movie was telling the story of but this steve strange the the actor steve strange was 20 when he was in this oh so he couldn't have been maybe he was the son of like the like the real life Gillies person. Who... He was born in the UK. Oh, <laughs> I'm, t- I'm trying well, to find a reason for this weird coincidence yeah. that that he would play somebody with the same last name. And, and there was for a some reason, in the movie with that name. Yeah, and for so, so he shares his last name with his own character and his full name with another character in this film and also the Sorcerer Supreme. And I, I have no explanation for that. So if anyone knows the the reasoning behind that, let us know. Uh, James N. Harrell played the minister at the gravesite for for Bob's funeral, and he's also the minister at the funeral that opens Paper Moon. He also played the manager of Cutright in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which I'm assuming is some store at some point. He played Old Geezer Number 1 with Travolta in the movie Michael. With Travolta? Yep. (laughs) They both played this character. It was like like a weird two-headed costume no uh travolta was also in the movie michael he plays michael in michael michael's an angel and he turns into feathers spoiler alert um we didn't talk about jerry hall that is correct we didn't one of one of the credited sexy sexy sisters sisters, uh was played by well the both the actual sisters jerry and cindy hall yeah um i i mostly know jerry hall from this minor character that she plays in batman alicia yeah i have never seen this movie free jack oh i've heard of that it sounds familiar i was like i was like oh she's she was in a movie called free jack i was like oh emilio estevez mick jagger renee russo anthony hopkins jonathan banks why have i not seen this movie the just this is a stupid tangent but i just gotta say free jack the plot is a bounty hunter from the future transports a doomed race car driver to new york city in 2009 (laughs) where his mind will be replaced with that of a dead billionaire (laughs) I'm in. Let's watch okay. this movie. There's too I'm many in. plots. All right. Well, we're skipping to Free Jack now. Our next movie. I have to see this movie. Straight 92. to 1992. So that's 12 years before we get to see Free Jack. Before we will have enough spare time to watch Free Jack. Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I didn't know much from the Sexy Sisters. The only Alicia I know from Batman movies played Batgirl. Who is Alicia in Batman? 
Uh, Jerry Hall. But who is Alicia in the movie? Oh, she's the Joker's girlfriend. Oh, okay. The one, the, the one that has the scarred face. Yeah. Up or down, Richard? <sighs> I think, I think we're gonna give this one a down. Uh, it, it was fine, but I was just disappointed. Like, like I, those two other plots that I wanted to happen didn't happen. Yeah. And I know that that's like not fair for me to judge it on that, but it's like. I don't want these women with these men. The, the, these yeah. men aren't good, and I don't like it. For me, it's a thumbs up because I think it's a character study, and it's uh, I like I like both of the characters. I I agree that they don't seem like they belong together, but I still enjoyed hearing them talk to each other. Yeah, I don't I don't really think it's a bad movie, but I still don't think I can give it a thumbs up. It's just. It's too long. It's not. It is long. It's not super interesting. Like not a lot actually happens. Everybody does a fine job in it. It's just. It's just not that interesting of a movie to me. I'm not sure what about this story inspired an article. Yes. And then what inspired them to say, "There's more here. Let's let's expand, and make this a movie." I think there's barely enough for me to be satisfied and say, "Okay, there's a plot and there's these things that happen," but. It the five thousand dollars for the reward money to leave the country comes out of nowhere, yeah, and it feels like a contrived plot device at the last second. And this movie's two hours and fifteen minutes, yeah, most of which is in Gillies, and a lot of live performances, a lot like of dancing. There's more dancing and uh, and singing than necessary, but I I feel like it also that's what that's what this part of the country is about, and that's what they're trying to tell the story of what Gillies was like and what country western honky tonks are like and i felt like it was at least an accurate portrayal of of uh from all your time in honky tonks it just felt accurate to me from an outsider's perspective but yeah uh where does this go on your letterbox jess this is above the windows threshold but but just barely um i have it above the gong show movie but below saturn three okay uh mine is also barely above uh, the window's threshold. It's only one away. Uh, there's one movie in between. I'm putting it just below Nijinsky and just above Cruising. Okay. I am going to put this... I'm actually going to put this a little bit higher than I expected. Um, it's going to go above Fox's, but below Coal Miner's Daughter. I, no, no, you know what? Last minute adjustment. It's going to go above Coal Miner's Daughter because more happens in this movie. Um, you think more happens in this than in Coal Miner's Daughter? Yeah. They're very similar movies. They are very similar, and they're both sissies. But it's just... Coal Miner's Daughter, to me, was literally just a, a true story about a, a person becoming a famous singer. And there's nothing else to it. Yeah, this, but at least, I, there's turns. I don't know. I feel like at least there's some there's more character arc i feel like everybody at the beginning of this movie is the same as they are at the end of this movie well except for john travolta's exposition of i'm i am different now (laughs) (laughs) but he's not he is absolutely not am i gonna shift this again back (laughs) you don't have to take you don't Don't have to do that no it's fine you put it where you want to put it no i'm gonna yeah i'll leave it above coal miner's daughter and below long riders but it's it's tight I would rather watch this again than watch Coal Miner's Daughter again. They're both very long. <laughs> they are both very long, and they are both very song. 
Did actually, like did the, you say song? Yeah, they, yeah. Both, <laughs> they are both very songs. Mostly song. <laughs> I but I like the songs better in this <laughs> because there's more uh, change. You know, it's variation, and uh, I don't really care for uh, Loretta Lynn's music. So, um, yeah, that's where it's going to go for me. I think that's everything for this one. If you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share, we are Vintage Video Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Or as I said before, you can find each of our full movie rankings for the year. We can also be found at VintageVideoPodcast.com. Please consider rating us on iTunes to help people find the show. And if you take the time to leave us a review, we will thank you personally in an upcoming episode. If you're feeling especially generous, you can support the show through Patreon.com slash VintageVideoPodcast. Thank you so much for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time when we'll be discussing Bronco Billy which IMDb describes as an idealistic modern-day cowboy struggles to keep his Wild West show afloat in the face of hard luck and waning interest. Sounds a lot like this movie. Or Carney. Or Carney. Or Long Riders. <laughs> Long Riders? Well, the time, times they are changing. Okay, okay, I got you. Or uh, Tom Horn. <laughs> Another movie about the West is it's dying. A, this is our theme for the year. How the West was done. We leave you now with a trailer for Bronco Billy. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we welcome you this evening to the greatest, the most authentic Wild West show in America. It is my privilege and honor to present to you this evening the greatest chick shooter <laughs> the fastest draw stick him up or I'll plug you are you really the fastest guy in the world ain't nobody faster than Bronco Billy you think you're faster than I am well, I wouldn't want to find that out sheriff Why, aren't you Bronco Billy the fastest in the West I could outdraw you any day in the week. Bronco Billy, you're nothing. The toughest hombre! Are you finished with your little speech? Yeah, I'm finished. I do not work for you, and if you ever raise your voice to me again, I will scratch out your eyes! Well, when did you feel it was time to take action? Well, it's always time to take action when there's danger. Tell them we're gonna rob a train. Okay, Billy. Rob a train? Bronco Billy, the best friend a man ever had. Bronco Billy. I love you, Bronco Billy. Don't you understand what Bronco Billy and the Wild West Show are all about? You can be anything you want. All you have to do is go out and become it. Bronco Billy McCoy! Clint Eastwood, 